says there is a time for everything. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to love and a time to hate. God has made everything beautiful in its time. Amen. These are the words written in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 by King. Solomon. Solomon, widely held as the wisest man who ever lived apart from Jesus Christ. A very wise man that was sought out for his wisdom. And I read these words of Ecclesiastes 3 that begin, there is a time for everything. And some of those stanzas I very much struggle with with. And this morning, having read this passage together, I want to ask, what time is it? What time is it? Time is a very, very strange thing. When we're young, we often wish time away, don't we? Time seems to pass so very slowly when we're younger. Then as we go through life, it seems to speed up, and it seems as though we don't have enough time in the day. And then as we grow older, we think back over the time that we have spent in this life, and we wish for more of it. So I ask again this morning, I want to keep coming back to this question, what time is it? We've spent the last few weeks talking about being still in the presence of God. Being still before the awesome and powerful God who can do anything, who can speak and has spoken life into existence, sustains all things through His being, And the importance of simply being still, remembering that God is God, that He is and will be exalted among the nations. The importance of being still. And yet as I come to the conclusion of this series this morning and this message today, I kept coming back to the question, what time 
is it? And before you turn around and look at the clock on the back wall, I'll tell you this. In the New Testament, there are two Greek words for time. One is chronos, which means chronological time. That's where we get the word, right? And then there is the kairos time, the special set-apart appointed time. And that's really what I want to focus on this morning when I ask that question, what time is it right now? What is that special set-apart appointed time that we are living in, that we are engaged in right now? Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes 3 that there is a time for everything. And then he closed Ecclesiastes 3 with the statement that God has set eternity in the human heart. Eternity. I remember as a young boy, my parents would talk about eternity. I'd hear this talked about in the church all the time, spending eternity with the Lord, and I would try to, try to consider it myself. What's it going to be like to spend eternity with God? And inevitably, as many, many children do, I ask the question, well, how long is eternity? You ever ask that question? How long is eternity? Okay, I'm the only one. So, I'll tell you then... I'd ask that question and my, my, my parents or my pastor would say, well, there is no end to eternity. It just keeps going. Now, spend some time, if you never have, spend some time trying to comprehend eternity. That there is no beginning, there is no end. At some point, I guarantee, either your mind will start spinning or your head will start hurting when you try to wrap your finite mind around the infinite. God has set eternity in the human heart, even though we may not have the capability of understanding eternity. Because God and eternity operates outside of our concept of time, where everything in life has a beginning point and an end point. And yet, even though God works outside of our understanding of time and space, God has set his kingdom in order. Do you believe that? God has set his kingdom in order with a specific time and a specific purpose. So I ask again, what time is it? What time is it? We can look through Scripture and be reminded of what God has done through specific people at specific times to accomplish a specific purpose. But instead of going through all of Scripture, I simply want to look at a few passages in the book of Mark, as we look to the New Testament and how after 400 years where God had spoken through the prophet Malachi, there's this period of 400 years of silence, stillness before the Lord, 400 years. Can you imagine the questions that came up 
the conversations that ensued during that 400 years of silence. People wondering, what is God up to? Malachi, and then 400 years of silence. And then God chooses this specific time to ordain a man named John with a very specific purpose. If you'd open up your Bible, one of the Pew Bibles, or the Bible app to Mark chapter 1 this morning. Mark chapter 1. And we're going to begin by reading right there at the beginning of Mark chapter 1. What time is it? In the time of John the Baptist, who we're going to start reading about here in a minute, in the time of John the Baptist's ministry, God prepared a way for the coming of the Lord, Jesus Christ. This is what it says, Mark chapter 1, verse 2. It is written in Isaiah, the prophet... I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And so John came, baptizing in the desert, preaching the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me, John said, will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. That was John's purpose, and he knew it without any doubt. He knew that that was the the ordination that he had received. His purpose, God's will and plan for him was to go out and prepare the way for the coming of Jesus Christ. What time is it? Let's keep reading here. Verse 9. At the time, at that time, get that, at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and he was baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open, and the Spirit descending on him like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love with you. I am well pleased. At the time of Jesus' baptism, God declares here his love and his call, his love for and his call toward his son, Jesus. Here, you are my son. Whom I love, with you I am well pleased. 
And then at the time of Jesus' temptation, which happens next in Jesus' life, he comes up out of the water, he hears the voice of God. And then it says in verse 12, at once the Spirit sent him into the desert. And he was in the desert for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was in the wild. He was with the wild animals. The angels then attended him. At the time of Jesus' temptation in the desert, without food, fasting for 40 days in the wilderness, Satan comes and tempts him not once, not twice, but three times. And the purpose of this time in Jesus' life was to prepare him for the ministry and for his call. What time are we living in now? Verse 14 then, after John was put into prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. And he says this, verse 15, you ready? Are you listening? I feel like I've lost some of you because you're like, where where is he going with all this? You're going to get there in a minute, I hope. Jesus said in verse 15, the time has come. Say that with me. The time has come. These are glorious words, church. The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus is announcing the kingdom come. Praise the Lord. Turn, turn to Mark 16. We're going to get there. I promise you, we're going to get there. This is the, the, the one and only time I'm going to have you turn this morning. Luke, or I'm sorry, Mark 16. What time is it? What time is it? Jesus says the time has come. Can you imagine waiting 400 years for the announcement of the Messiah, 400 years. They had told their kids about it and their grandchildren about it. Someday, Jesus is going to come. Well, they didn't say Jesus. Someday, God's Messiah is going to come and He's going to make all things new. He's going to make all things right. And they passed that from one generation to the next, to the next. And then one day, some strange, weird old man comes walking out of the wilderness, eating locusts, you know it'd be, it'd be weird. And he says, prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. I must decrease. He must increase. Don't follow me. Follow him. I've come to baptize you with water, but he's going to baptize you with fire and with the Holy Spirit. These are good things. And then you watch as this man named Jesus comes out of Galilee and he's baptized by John. John's proclaiming, he's the one, this is the one I've been talking about. This guy disappears for 40 days and then when he reappears, he says, the time has come. This is it. Chapter 16. Verse 14, Jesus, this man that claimed to be God, the Messiah, he lived a, 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 an amazing life, a miraculous life, healing and, and doing, the, 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 doing more than teaching, more than anyone had before understood. 
Where did this man get his wisdom? Where did he get his training? How is he able to do all of these things? He's crucified. And then you hear the rumblings that he is alive again. But not only did the townspeople hesitate to believe, the disciples hesitated to believe. And so then Jesus finds them in the sh- on the shore. <laughs> Chapter 16, verse 14. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven. Now this is after his resurrection. As they were eating. Imagine chewing on some fish, spitting out the bones, and then up walks Jesus. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. I imagine that he did. I mean, these 11, these were the ones that Jesus sent out and they came back and they said, Jesus, you wouldn't believe it. Even the demons obey. Jesus, you've given us the power to do the miraculous. And Jesus looked at them and he said, you will see even greater things than these. Then he comes from the tomb and they refused to believe their lack of faith. And it says, he rebukes them. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. What time is it, church? In the time of the disciples' ministry, Jesus instructs them to go out and to preach. Is that the, is that the time that we're living in, that we still live under this, this commission to go out and preach? To win people to Jesus Christ, to speak boldly in His name? To, 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 to say whatever God has laid on our heart, to speak our testimony without apology. What time is it? <sighs> and then he says this, as if all this wasn't enough. You ready? Verse 17. This is good stuff. I love this. I don't even have to preach this morning. This is good stuff. And these signs, you ready for this? Because I ask what time it is. This is the, this is the time that we're living for, in. This is it. Jesus says, the time has come. The kingdom of heaven is near. He announced that with his life. He gave up his life. And, and now all of the barriers that stood between man and God have been removed. The curtain's been torn. We can stand before God boldly proclaiming any need on our, in our life. And expect not only that he welcomes us into his presence, expect not only that he hears us, but expect that he's going to answer us and anticipate what he's going to do in our lives. And he gives this commission to the disciples, which is all of us as well, as followers of Jesus. He says, go into all the world and preach the good news to all Creation, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. We can hold tight to that promise 
And that commission. But there's more. Verse 17. And these signs. You ready? I think I've prepped you enough, so you should be listening. And these signs will accompany those who believe. Let me ask, do you believe this morning? If you believe, Jesus is talking about you here, okay? So just hold on. I know some of you are reading ahead. You're like, what's he carrying on about? Get ready. Here it is. Those, these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. I just lost you, didn't I? I lost half of you. I lost you. They will speak in many tongues. I lost the other half of you. You're like, Pastor, we're free Methodists. What's wrong with you? I haven't even gotten to the, the good part. They will pick up snakes with their hands. How many of you like snakes? I know. We were talking about snakes in our house early this morning. It's crazy. Not even, not even remembering that I was going to be talking about this today. And how many people hate snakes? And I said, I don't, I don't mind snakes. Mice, that's the thing that get me, right? Um, those of you who know me well know that if there's a mouse in the church, I'm going to be out the door screaming. And although I, I, I don't like mice, or although, rather, I guess I, I, I like snakes a little bit more than mice or rats. Rats are even worse. Any sort of rodent, okay? John, mark that down. Any sort of rodent. Not, not my thing. Um, but I still want to be picking up snakes. Like, that's not my thing either. And Jesus says they will pick up snakes. This isn't just some weirdo teacher out there making this promise. This is Jesus Himself saying this. They will pick up snakes with their hands. They will drink deadly poison. And it will not hurt them at all. Some of you are about to walk out. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well, in the time of our ministry, Jesus doesn't just say, go out and preach. He says, these signs will accompany those who believe with great faith. See, and I can't make any excuses about that. I can't, I can't get around that. Many... A time we've tried to get around that. Well, Jesus was just talking about somebody else. Right? I'm not, I'm not telling you to go out and start, you know, wrestling snakes. And we're not going to have a bucket of snakes or a basket of snakes up here next week. I'm not, I'm, 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 not, I'm not going that far. I'm not telling you to go out and start drinking deadly poison. But instead, I'm encouraging us to jump into that passage, these final words of Jesus... And to pursue a faith beyond what we are comfortable with. I'm encouraging us to jump in and to pursue a faith that will accompany something, accomplish rather, something that is beyond ourselves and beyond what we as a church body can do in our own power. Beyond what we can explain or even comprehend. What time is it? See, Solomon wrote, there is a time 
for everything. A time for everything. There is a specific, set-apart, appointed time for everything. And I don't think these final words of Jesus were by accident. I don't think that he wrote or that that he spoke these words and left no room for us to explain them away on accident. Solomon wrote, there's a time for everything. Jesus said, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. And he expects us all, instructs us all, right here to repent and believe the good news. Repent, that is turn from our sin. Turn from those things that are not pleasing to God, turn from those things that are not in accordance with His Word for our life, His plan that He has called us into, turn from them and never return to them again. Amen? Jesus says, repent and believe the good news. And then He says, these signs, these wonders, these Things will accompany all those who believe. What time is it? I keep asking myself that question. What time is it? I've sat idly by for way too long. The church, I just say this, the church in America, we have sat idly by for far, far, far too long. We've gotten too comfortable with our faith to the point where we have lost great degrees of our faith, and our faith has simply become coming together and being comfortable as long as we can understand it and explain it, then that's being faithful to God. But Jesus never defines faith that way. He says these signs, these miraculous things, these unexplainable things will accompany their faith. They will go with their faith. The disciples then responded to Jesus' instruction. Verse 20. They went out and they preached everywhere. They went out and they preached everywhere. Can I get an amen to that? That sounds really good. Wouldn't it be awesome? Wouldn't it be awesome if we just go out of this place and we say, I, I was so moved by the Holy Spirit that I just went out and I began to preach everywhere. Wouldn't it be amazing if we as individuals really took on that call and we became missionaries within our community, transforming hearts and lives, speaking the, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ boldly, proclaiming our testimony with power and with authority. Nobody can take that away from me. That's my testimony. That's what God has done in my life. Wouldn't it be amazing Think of how it, how it would turn not just our community upside down. It would turn the nation upside down if the church took on that call and realized that this is the time. It is now. The kingdom has come. Now is the time to go out and to make disciples, to preach. I said the disciples, they responded 
to Jesus, they went out and preached everywhere. And look at what God did. The Lord worked with them. I say, I don't want to go out and preach a message if the Lord's not working with me. I don't want you to go out and to preach a message or to share a testimony or to to speak boldly into someone's life if the Lord is not working with you. The Lord worked with them, and I believe God will work with us still today and will confirm His Word by the signs that accompanied it. Did you catch that? I hope you did, because I said it really loud. He confirmed his words by the signs that accompanied it. That means that they went out, they didn't just preach and then hope that the music was right and the, 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 the spirit, you know, was, was uh, the, 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 the temperature was right and everyone had the, the right words in their minds at that point. And then we said, okay, now we're going to have an altar call and just hope that everybody comes forward and we have a good. And then the, 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 the preacher says the right prayer at the end and then we all go off and feel really good about ourselves. No! That's not at all what, he, what it says here. It says, the Lord worked with them and confirmed His Word by the signs that accompanied it. Why are we not seeing these signs today? Could it be that we're lacking faith? Take it a step further. Could it be that we haven't listened to Jesus' instructions to repent and believe. What time is it? And what, rather, how will we respond in our time? Jesus makes it real simple. Repent and believe. Believe and see signs. That's it. I think we've complicated this way, way too much. We've got people writing entire books on why we're not seeing the signs in our world today. This is it right here. Jesus said it. I mean, he's, he's the authority. He's the teacher. Repent and believe. You believe, you will be saved. You believe, you will see signs and wonders that accompany the message of Jesus Christ. That's it. I don't know why we've complicated it so very much. So today, as we close our time together, I just want to repeat those words. Jesus said, the time has come. The time has come. What time, special set apart, appointed time is it for you in your life right now. Maybe it's time that after years of running from the Lord, you surrender your life. Maybe it's time that after years of holding on and harboring that sin, you repent of it, turn from it, not to return to it again. Maybe it's time after years of of holding on to, to, to hatred... You let it go and you forgive. Maybe it's time 
that we as the church truly take Jesus' words seriously, that with our faith, in our faith, we will see the miraculous. We will see signs that accompany our faith. So this morning, let us just simply close by bowing our heads and allowing God's Spirit to move among us. Not my words, Jesus, but your Spirit fall. And as you work on people's hearts, on their lives, Jesus, I pray, God, that you would call them to response. For some, Lord Jesus, that response looks like coming to the altar. For some, Jesus, that response looks like surrendering right where they are. Telling a loved one, a friend, Lord Jesus. For some, that response looks like making a new commitment to you, Jesus, to walk with you daily. To tell others, Lord Jesus, of the the, the great testimony that you have given to them. Jesus, I pray today that your Holy Spirit would move in a powerful way right now. Take away all the complications. Simplify it, Jesus, for us. Let us see, Lord Jesus, that you called us, Lord simply repent and believe.